0: Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, we have Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of Awards Watch. During our chat, we discuss the landscape of the race after the PGA, DGA, and WGA nominations. We also discuss the 2021-2022 award season, and of course, the Oscars. So Eric, can you please just give the listeners an idea of who you are, what you do, Um, short little bio for everyone.
1: Um, Well, first, Jackson, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. We have worked together and collaborated together. Uh, So this this is a nice full circle moment, so thank you. And yes, I am Eric Anderson. I'm the editor in chief of Awards Watch, which I started in 2013 probably should have tried to start that a little bit earlier in my lifetime but here we are and you know it's oscar predictions and all kinds of predictions reviews and interviews and it's really kind of grown and expanded since it started i in 2013 when i when i kicked it off i was doing everything probably 99.99 percent of all the content was me and you know it was a little bit so that i could build my brand and get people to know who who i was what i represented what i did Uh, but there was also a little bit of selfishness and maybe even some micromanagement of myself in there and you know it became a lot to do and it got bigger and i brought people on as contributors and then staff members and it just kept getting bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and i realized i had a a a platform and an opportunity to give more people opportunities and many that had not had any before and so that turned it into kind of something else and so it still is that still ask predictions and emmys and sag and bafta and Everything else that there is, but it also is a great jumping off point for young writers or people that don't have uh, another place to contribute. And mm-hmm. so I mean, I always take any anybody that wants to you know message or DM me i'll I'll always read their work and give them a chance to to pitch to me too, always. yeah
0: yeah no i and that's why i um, respect you a lot you took a phone call from a kid in dallas texas and um have allowed me some great opportunities and um i've been able to connect with so many other of your other contributing writers and um and they all say the same thing um, in terms of the diverse group that it is um the freedom to collaborate the sort of the first chance out the doors in most instances so um i just have to say as as a, as a i mean just as a fan for so long it, it it's so nice to um have that sort of warm and welcoming feeling because in the industry it's not always that way um and so you definitely um you take chances on a lot of people and the people that have come out of there i mean are fantastic writers editors you name it so um so praise for you on that one
1: thank you i really appreciate that it's it's been it's been really wonderful and and an era of awards watch that i'm enjoying immensely right now
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um so if you're ready i'm just i'm good to dive into let's go the craziness of what this week um was um And I'd really like to start out with the DGAs um, in particular. I think for a lot of people, there weren't really any surprises. But come Oscar morning, everyone's thinking that that fifth slot is not solidified. So can you sort of give sort of where your lay of the land is in terms of how this week shook out for the DGAs and what that possibly means come Oscar nomination morning?
1: I, I think there's going to be a a really interesting morning for, for this category. And it's kind of funny because the last few years have given us enough information that we can almost now predict that we're going to get a non-English language films director in. It used to be much more difficult to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm kind of bummed. I was so proud. That was like my greatest. One of my greatest predictions in the history of doing this was uh, that Sorkin would be out and Vinterberg would be in, and I had been toying with it for most of the season anyway, and then I locked it in as a final prediction, and it happened. I was like, awesome, that's so cool, but you know that was built on you know Paul Palowski, and just kind of the the director's branch willingness to be more creative with their choices more so than the dga for sure dga is pretty basic you know they could they it's not you know to be super shady to them but you know they they can be very middle of the road and they don't take the chances that uh, the directing branch has and not just recently but in the past we used Mm -hmm. to have you know, when it was only five best picture nominees we would always have the lone director uh that could get in david lynch did it uh that happened. it happened quite a quite a bit and so i think we're going to see obviously bafta is not going to be that um that indicative of what we've seen already because we've had golden globes critics choice and dga and so far four have matched up with all of them. Kenneth Branagh, uh, Jane Campion, Steven Spielberg, and Denis Villeneuve. So it's reasonable to assume that those four will probably make it to the end. Uh, they're not gonna make it all at BAFTA, I, that's for sure. Not with not with the juried rules and and how things are there now. But after that, we've got, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Paul Thomas Anderson, Guillermo del Toro seemed like he might've been, but mm-hmm. probably not. Uh, but what we're really looking at is that all of those names have already been nominated or won before. This category has had a first time nominee since 1950. So some, somebody's getting in. And when we look at the names I just mentioned, PTA or Del Toro, they've already been in. Del Toro's won. Hall hasn't, obviously. She would be a, a potential. And she did make the DJ first time director as anybody would have predicted and she's probably going to win that. But I think what most of us are doing is looking at the the non-English language film director that has the best shot. And there are only two really that do and that's Hamaguchi and Sorrentino. And I think this is actually the place where BAFTA will give us some information. Because if any of these four miss. It's not that big of a deal if hamaguchi and or sorrentino get into director of bafta that's where we should look that's where we Mm -hmm. should go and i just did a bafta podcast uh before this and i will do my written predictions after this (laughs) and i think they might be different because as i was talking i was talking myself into a scenario in which both Sorrentino and Hamaguchi get into Bafta, and then what? What do we do? What happens then? Who gets in? Mm-hmm. Who Who is stronger? Sorrentino is European, so he fits with the recent history a little bit better than Hamaguchi does. But obviously, Drive My Car is the the bigger critical hit. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. It's it's exciting though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think that's what everyone looks for. Like you said, on Oscar nominations morning, who is going to be that fifth spot? Um, and for some of the acting prizes, I mean, you just don't always, the five are somewhat locked pretty early on this year. I think it's taking shape in a different way um, with um, with the whole Christian, Christian Stewart. Um, will she make it? Will she not? Um, so uh, I'm excited to see a lot of surprises with, this year um, across the board, but director for sure um, who that fifth slot will be is um, is very interesting to me. Um, but beyond that, I mean, do you think it's is is Campion a sure winner in this category.
1: I think so, yes, I mm-hmm. think she's gonna I think she's gonna be one of the the people that just absolutely runs the the calendar, all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the deserving element, uh, there is going to be the historical element, uh, to it. So I, 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 yes, I think it's happening. Mm -hmm. And
0: so then going into the PGA, um, shockers there, um, Mm -hmm. one being, being the Ricardos, um, but what shocked you, what surprised you, um, what made you happy to see that it got in, um, any thoughts there?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say I was happy to see it get in uh, necessarily. <laughs> I I definitely was not. And it's it's a it's a I think it's a good movie. I think it's better than than some people think, and that's fine. Uh, it's it was a surprise inclusion though, because it had not really done very much with guilds outside of Kidman and Bardem getting into SAG. It uh it, it hasn't performed elsewhere though very well. At least in, in that top category. But also even in in below the lines, uh it failed to to get the makeup shortlist. It's not in you know the art director's guild or costume designer's guild, it's it's nowhere in there. But that the period category for all of those is extremely, extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. But ahead of the PGA. uh uh, many people thought that that it was going to be very competitive there especially production design and it might still be that way or it's just an outlier in the pga that is kind of throwing us off because i think i think most of us had like you know spider-man or no time to die because they were box office hits or nightmare alley or uh, tragedy macbeth and these other movies that had you know, AFI and NBR and, and we're kind of working their way back uh, into the conversation with with good guild presence. Uh, and and then it was not. It was being their cars instead. So mm-hmm. I think I think that what that did was give more strength to Kidman as a front runner than the film as a whole as as a, a contender. I don't think I think we'll, I don't think we're gonna go ten out of ten, yeah, that's not gonna happen, yeah likely
0: um was it surprising to you that I mean, like you said, no time to die, Spider man no way home they didn't get in, and usually there's always that one spot that does tend to go um towards something more commercial. Were you surprised by that or just with the wealth of film that we've got this year um what were your thoughts on that?
1: I was very surprised because the, the PGA is always very willing to embrace something that's made a lot of money. And that's mm. kind of the job you know, of the producers. They get paid when something makes money. And even in a non-pandemic year, Spider-Man's haul is noteworthy. It's 10 times more noteworthy that it was able to do the numbers that it's still doing uh, in a pandemic that we still are living in. And so, yeah, I was really surprised that they did not take the opportunity to, to embrace that. But at the same time, Sony opted to not send screeners to anybody except for Ampus they're really just shooting for a best picture nomination, which is definitely not going to happen. Uh, so I think that was to their own detriment to do that, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I was definitely surprised a little less. So with no time to die, um, it's not, it's not competing at the same level that skyfall was, which was such a big breakthrough for a James Bond movie. Uh, so I'm a little less surprised with that, but looking at the lineup that we do have, you know, it's it's as diverse as uh, PGA lineups can often be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's only three movies that really have been able to run the table with you know AFI National Board of Review, Golden Globe, Critics Choice, uh, and Screen Actors Guild mentions, and that's Belfast, Don't Look Up, and King Richard. Everything else is is kind of missing one little element. None of it's crucial. There's not like a crucial miss really by anybody. So I think we're gonna get a a nine out of 10 PGA to Oscar uh, lineup this year, just like 2009 and 2010, which was the last time that we had straight 10 lineups for uh, the best picture Oscar.
0: Mm And so is there a front two for you right now? I would say for me, it's Belfast First Power of the Dog, but curious to hear where where you're at on that.
1: It definitely is. Um, I, I don't see how you can make a realistic argument for anything else. I know a lot of people, especially over the last month before things, you know, left the Critics Awards era, really wanted other things to happen, whether it was West Side Story or Licorice Pizza or even Dune. And no, things are going to exactly where they were in September at Telluride. Mm -hmm. It's the same, too. And I know that, that some people, you know, rebuff the idea of statistics and trends. But, you know, until there's a really big break in them, I generally stick with it. And hmm. the Telluride appearance for a best picture winner is a really, really good one. Only green book has has missed that since two thousand seven uh, so i'm 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 going with that. And it's why pundits who were, you know a big part of Telluride kind of went with that too. And I know that some people feel that that pundits try and hammer home front runners really ahead of time and yes sometimes that's true but i mean people can really only do so much once a movie is seen then then voters and and people that actually matter <laughs> make those choices which yeah. is why well it's why we've seen things hold and why we've seen other things fall
0: mm-hmm. and Do you think that the pandemic um, or the rise in Omicron um, has sort of dampened some of the sort of like the licorice pizzas, um, like the dunes, anything like that? Do you think like the past month of not having any in-person events has affected any of their shots?
1: Yeah, and I I think it did last year to an extent, but then things turned out exactly like, they were predicted to in in september even without the benefit of uh telluride that year we we know that nomadland was going to be there Mm -hmm. so that would have that that keeps that stat running Mm -hmm. so i don't think i think what it did is it certainly forced people to make last year and this year but to a little bit of a less extent lesser extent it forces voters to Watch the movies and make decisions based on that versus the parties that they get to go to and the celebrities that they get to meet.
0: Because, mm-hmm. you know,
1: we still have a, a portion of the voting members of the Academy that are not really working actors and, and directors and everything anymore. They have old memberships and they don't have to do a whole lot to stay in Ampus now. Was like like one or two credits every ten years or something. So you know you you'd have these i've I've been to enough of these parties and things where the people you see there are those older voters. They want that buffet and they want that picture with whoever it might be that they are fascinated by. And so that that help helps lean their their. Trigger finger on what they're going to to pull mm-hmm. uh, when it is time to vote. So, but at the same time, a lot of these very older uh, and old fashioned voters, maybe they have a difficult time with the the online only uh, voting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't want to, you know, okay, boomer. Too many people in saying that, but you know, when it was filling out a ballot by hand and mailing it in, like an election or something, I think that 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 gave us a different type of voter. Mm -hmm. So I think that might have a a small part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I saw Coleman Domingo post his, I mean, the ease of access of just literally going in and him emphasizing, like, if you want. To see like a representative sort of of who we are, what we like, what we do, you need to vote, and so it it is a it is a different um, world in that aspect. So um, and it is as easy as just reminding people to go online. It's as easy as one two three almost just to get your votes in.
1: It's also great to see somebody like him who is a new voter. It's like I want to vote. I can't wait, and I'm showing everybody that I did. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I no, would. Love I, to, I would love to see more of that. Like you know, when we always wear our our I voted stickers for elections, I would love to see voting members post on socials that they voted. I want to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I just I, it was a very refreshing moment just to see that for me. Um, but now pivoting into the WGA. Um, there's a little bit more nuance there because some of the front runners, as you could say, weren't they weren't eligible for the WGA. Can you explain why films like Power of the Dog, um, Passing, uh, The Lost Daughter, were not able to make it into, um, as clear front runners in, in a lot of cases, um, why they didn't make it in uh, the WGA nominations?
1: sure most of the guilds do not require you to be a member in order to get a nomination Uh, the wga is a signatory guild which means you are required to be a member to get a nomination Uh, like tarantino is not a member of dga but they nominate him all the time but you cannot get a nomination at the wga if you aren't uh, a member and yeah this year was just rich with contenders that were not eligible, Belfast either, and um, so it gave us a pretty cockeyed year in terms of being able to, you know, draw a straight line through the way that you can with with other guilds that don't really require that. I mean, there are certain amount of submission and eligibility requirements at, at other guilds, um like art directors guild they list all of the films that are eligible in each of their categories and it's not a big list you're you're looking at sometimes 20 films and Mm -hmm. that's it uh so then it becomes a little bit easier to make predictions in those kinds of categories but it's by far the strictest so year to year they're their relevance as a precursor fluctuates. Like this year for me, it's not a top four. Ace, DGA, SAG, PGA are the top four for me this year because mm-hmm. they just they have a, a a better a better through line uh, in collecting these little Pokemon's of guild nominations, <laughs> and WJ kind of just falters in in that sense.
0: Mm hmm. So were there any on the original or adapted that you like seeing there um, that might not see their chance um, come Oscar morning? Mm. Hmm.
1: Maybe, maybe the French dispatch. Because that's all it got. It only got. Writers Guild not critics choice or golden globes or anything Mm -hmm. um maybe that it's i mean other than obviously like you know drive my car i want to see get in there yeah uh power the dog lost daughter passing i want to see those get in there Mm -hmm. and there there were more um there were more on the adapted side missing out than on the original side Mm -hmm. uh but yeah, it's it kind of, it was kind of what got in was expected to get in, you know, on the original side being the Ricardo's don't look up like licorice pizza. That was easy. King Richard pretty easy when when certain things are out. And I mean, those were kind of, or are kind of the top four anyway. Mm-hmm. So with Belfast missing, it's kind of easy to plug that in. And that would be your very likely Oscar five right there so that's that's why the the eligibility thing is so funky because there is good correlation when everything is a kind of even playing field yeah but not this year not so much not so yeah. much it, it's, it doesn't make it that difficult though but it's especially in original original is actually pretty easy i think
0: this mm. year and so switching sort of topics completely, I mean, what have been some of your favorite moments of this award season so far? I mean, you were back at Telluride this year, um, since it was um, shut down last year, that must have been a highlight, but um, tell me what, what are some of the biggest um, things that you've seen done um, that, that you've just been so happy to be a part of?
1: Um, it was really great to be back at Telluride. That was, you know, in the, the little window of the late summer fall when things kind of really opened back up pre Omicron. So it was, it was fantastic to, to be at a festival and to see everybody. I don't live in Los Angeles. So the, my chance to see people, my peers and and folks that i talk to all the time on twitter and online is generally festivals and and places like that afi as well so to be able to see everybody was really pretty great Uh, i do love the intimacy of telluride anyway it's just a fantastic festival and at least for for us for journalists and, and everybody the the requirements were very strict uh for vaccinations. Uh Netflix even more strict. They required, you know, a immediate rapid test to enter any events or parties that they had. And I mean they would hand deliver it to your house. <laughs> They're they were really, really good about it. It also provided the best party at Telluride <laughs> uh, by a, a long shot. The, the Lost Daughter Party at Telluride is, was definitely one for the books and went till, I don't know, three or something. I think I got back home at four o'clock. Oh my gosh. I'm too old for that shit. Uh, <laughs> um, and AFI kind of did the same thing where it was, here's, here's everybody kind of back together again and here's some great premieres. Uh, the premiere of Tick, Tick, Boom was... One of the most fun film experiences I've had in years and years and years, it felt like like it was a New York premiere because you know it's a very Broadway heavy film and with all those Broadway cameos, and the audience was absolutely exploding, just exploding screams and hollering. and it was it was so much fun. It was great. And you just you do not obviously have that when you're watching a screener at home. And so the ability to have the amount of in-person uh, events and screenings and festivals was uh, was the highlight of mm-hmm. the season so far.
0: Yeah. And then going into who you'd like to see host the Oscars this year, lots of debate. Everyone's throwing out um so many different options but who's on your list um that you'd love to see
1: well it's going to be interesting and i mean they've already obviously revealed one that there will be not just a host but they're trying to get a bunch of people to to do it which is okay not really what i want to happen Mm -hmm. i would rather have one or two that are really steering the ship all the way through i just i just think it's more successful that way i think there are a lot of great possibilities and the difference between you know who i would like to see versus who is realistic can be pretty split yeah but but where they come together is kind of the the names that that i'll mention Because we're talking about ABC, which is Disney, uh they're they're going to want to go with something in-house, which means you know, an ABC network show or Disney related or Marvel or Hulu or something like that that fits into that family, which also also works as as self-promotion, which is fine. Uh so the like the first names that were kind of thrown around before for the multi-host announcement was made was the Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. I think that is a wonderful idea. Mm -hmm. They're a great trio on Only Murders in the Building, which is a really popular show on Hulu. They work together really well. Steve Martin's already hosted, he was a great host. I think Martin Short would be hilarious as an Oscar host. Uh, so I would really be super into them. I I know the the Tom Holland Zendaya co-hosting was floated around as an idea. I do think it would be pretty good, but they are also really, really young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So and I know they can sing and dance and all of that, which is a great part of it. Uh, I th- I think it would be okay. But I'd be I'd be a little worried and nervous for them. I don't think it would be anything like the the James Franco Anne Hathaway disaster by any, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. But my 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 top priority always for an Oscar host, always, is they have to know their Oscar stuff and they have to like the show and the Oscars themselves. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: I am not a fan of comedians hosting that don't know anything and don't care. I'm, just yeah. not a, I'm not a fan at all of that. And, you know, when people throw names out like Dave Chappelle or something, I'm like, are you out of your mind as a as a host for the Oscars? Mm-hmm. not even Ricky Gervais would be a good idea. He's great for the Globes, not for the Oscars. Yeah. So, I mean, if I had my druthers, it would be Whoopi Goldberg every single year. i think she's the best host that's ever ever been she's the perfect host Mm -hmm. she loves the oscars she loves what they are and what they can be and she is game for anything i don't think she would be so much now yeah yeah but but yeah um and then somebody else i was thinking of was tracy ellis ross from blackish
0: oh she uh, she would be fabulous
1: yeah and that's she, the ABC family, and I think she would be so funny. Oh yeah, and to think of the
0: the guests she could bring along the way, I think would just be. I would love to see Diana Ross present something at the the Oscars <laughs> as well. That would just be a a trip for me.
1: Well, uh, that'll be that'll be up to to Will Packer, the producer, uh, and he's a lone producer this year, which is super interesting compared to last year. Uh, so I'll be really really interested to see where he goes with this show mm-hmm. but i think obviously after last year you can only go up
0: yeah i i'd be only I, it's, if regina king had just stayed on the stage the entire time we would have been fine we would right? have been fine
1: but because that was the best opening of a oscar show in forever it was genius
0: yeah yeah no so they missed out last year but i know <laughs> who knows? Maybe one day she can come back and reenact what she did, and then uh, host the full thing. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, my final question to you really is like, what? What do you like? Who are you stumping for? Whether you know they are going to get in or not? Who? Who is someone you want to see on the best actor list, the best actress list, the supporting actress list? On and on and on. Who? Who would you like to see? Um, surprise everyone
1: there's two things that i want and it's from my number one and my number two movie of the year uh my number one movie of the year was flea and i want to see it make history Mm -hmm. i don't think best picture is in the the card so i'm not gonna hope dick to that but i want it to get animated doc and international feature film i want all three for it Mm -hmm. Uh, and to have that that historical marker and it deserves it. I mean, it deserves the best picture, but that ship has definitely sailed as a possibility. The other (laughs) is sadly something that I didn't think I'd have to stump for because I thought they were going to be the runaway winner from like day one. And that is Kristen Stewart for best actress in Spencer. And I still, it's not that I'm, you know, shocked and don't understand why she has stumbled, but I just feel it's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's the best performance of the year. I think it's one of the best female performances of all time. I think it is an absolute all timer. Mm-hmm. It is legendary and the fact that she's missing and could even miss a nomination, historically won't be, I mean, historically it'll, I don't know how to, we we look back at things, at snubs, uh, with a lot of affection In, in a way that maybe wouldn't quite be there if they had just gone all the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if Brokeback Mountain had beaten Crash, we would have obviously had the history of a, you know, LGBTQ film, film winning, and it would have that first, you know, marker on it. And we kind of carry that along throughout the years. But the fact that it missed is something that will keep coming back forever and ever and ever and ever in the pantheon of talking about the Oscars. So, mm-hmm. the impact of a snub can be greater than the win they and when the top. yeah. This is only talking from people like us uh, uh, and pundits and journalists and stuff. I am sure it doesn't feel that way from on the inside by any stretch of the imagination. yeah, only from us. yeah.
0: no, I, I complete i it's it's just baffling to me. like you have said, I don't understand it. I agree with everything that you said in regards to her um performance and how it will stand the test of time um, but it it is it it will just be very shocking come that Tuesday morning
1: when it breaks my heart my heart is is broken and it really I mean the the sag nominations since they go in alphabetical order I was just like wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> what's going on we we just got to Hudson and that's four. Yeah. I was, I, you you have microseconds to figure all of those things out, but I always have things, you know, like at the ready. So I know what's, I, if they're going to go alphabetical, I know what's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in that microsecond, it was like, wait a minute, either Kidman or Seward's missing. And it just, that's, a, that's all it took. It's- and- That was especially funny, though, because when Rosario Dawson announced Jennifer Hudson, she like spelled out R-E-S-P-E-C-T, so we had a little bit longer of a time to kind of marinate and realize that we were in for a big snub in like two seconds, and we got it.
0: So how did it feel pressing send on that tweet that morning?
1: (laughs) It hurt. It hurt so bad. I wanted to rewrite history in that moment. It hurt. <laughs> uh,
0: well, Eric, I have to thank you um, for chatting with me today. This has been an absolute blast and pleasure, um, and I I can't wait to see how this all plays out and if any if or all of our predictions pan out. If not, there's another year and we will retry again. But um, i do i would love for you to tag what um where you're at where people can find you um and sort of do a bit of self-promo here
1: absolutely um hopefully you know you you follow me on twitter at awards underscore watch where i say all kinds of very stupid things uh but please read uh awardswatch.com not just for my predictions but for All of the fantastic people that are there with reviews and interviews like yourself Jackson, so uh, please uh, go and support them, I think I have enough support I do pretty okay, (laughs) but please go and find them find them on Twitter and everywhere else and read their work and follow their work.
0: Awesome well, I want to thank you for hopping on um, in between podcasts that you have today it's a day Um, yeah it's a day um but we're almost we're almost to the end the line the the light at the end of the tunnel is here um so hopefully it's
1: not a train but yes (laughs) (laughs) love that
0: all right eric thank you so much um i hope you have a great rest of your sunday and um hopefully we can do this again sometime
1: i hope so too thanks so much jackson
0: thank you all for listening This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael. And the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.